open in prayer and let's prepare to receive the word of the Lord. Father, we bless you. There is none like you in all the earth, God. We magnify your name this morning. What a privilege, God, it is that we have that we can go beyond the veil into your very presence. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come. Manifest your glory. Manifest your power. This is not about anybody but you, God. I pray that the eyes of the people will be blinded to me and that they would hear your voice. Father, speak to us today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I had wanted to move on. I had a whole different sermon that I had planned to preach this week. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever had to do any kind of speaking or, you know, particular preaching is a little bit different. But there's so many challenges that come with that. Every week, you know, you have to sit, you have to pray, you have to ask God, you know, God, what are you going to say? What do you want to say to your people? And, you know, and sometimes it comes really easy. Then there are other times that it becomes, it comes really hard. I mean, I'm like, Lord, crunch time is coming. I need to hear. And I think God does it on purpose because he wants me and all of us really to be in a constant state that we have to trust him to to get us through. And Paul said that when I'm weak, I'm strong. So I like being weak. I like having to to wait on the Lord. Do y'all really believe that? Not exactly, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. Because what happens is God is, you know, God is he knows where we are and and God has our number and God has a word for you this morning. I tell people all the time, you know, whenever you miss Sunday morning, you are missing something that God wants to deposit into your spirit. Because I, for one, I can tell you that when I stand up here to minister to you, I'm not just doing it. I didn't just come up with this late last night when I had a, a few minutes. But I really sought the Lord and saying, God, what do you want to say to your people? Because God has a word for you this morning. Amen. We're going to continue with our third installment of spiritual warfare. And today we're going to be talking about the power of praise and thanksgiving in warfare. The power of praise and thanksgiving. Over in the book of Psalms 22.3 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. The writer there says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Or another translation would say that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. So what that tells me as a believer, and the word inhabits means to dwell, to sit there, and to dwell dwell on a thing. When you and I open our mouths, when we're going through spiritual warfare, and we talk about spiritual warfare, we're talking about challenges, obstacles, difficulties, things that are happening in our lives. The enemy comes at us, he throws a blow. How many know the devil is always busy? He's always looking for a place of weakness where he can come and launch out his attack. But how many know that we're wiser than that? Amen? We are wiser than that. And, And so... He says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That means that every time that you and I open our mouths, we begin to praise God. When we're going through a difficult time, God comes and he sits right there and he enthrones himself among our praises. So when we come into service in the sanctuary of God, for an example, you might say, well, why we got to go through the praise thing? Why we got to sing and all that? 
But Psalm 100 described that we are to come before him with singing and praise and thanksgiving. We are to enter his courts with praise. Why does the Bible say that? Because when you and I begin to open our mouths and praise God, it gets God's attention and God's presence is there. Because God loves it when his people worship him. God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. And so if we realize that God inhabits the praises of his people because the scripture says that, then we got to ask ourselves the question. As you're going to say in a moment, what does this have to do with spiritual warfare? We're going to talk about that in a moment. But, but you know, we got to ask ourselves the question, why is it then that if I know that God inhabits the praises of his people, why don't we praise God more enthusiastically? Why don't we sing and praise God even more in our private time? Why don't we, if we know that it invites the presence of God? See, that's what worship is all about. It's all about inviting God's presence into our situation. How many need God's presence today? Everybody's hands should go up. All of us need the presence of God. And so where the presence of the Lord is, the Bible says there's fullness of joy. So I know that if God inhabits the praises of his people, then every single time that I begin to worship God, whether it's coming in here or whether I'm driving down the road or whether I'm in my house, I'm on a treadmill. God says that whenever you open your mouth to give me praise, then I come right in your midst. So that's why we start with worship and that's why we start with praise. Why? Because we want God to come. He said we're to come before his course with praise. And with thanksgiving. Praise. And here's what the enemy knows. (laughs) Praise and worship is really all about God. Now we hear sometimes, you know, and there's, there's so much happening today within the body of Christ that there's this kind of a mean man, a mean mentality that, you know, it's all about me. I'm going to church today because I want to feel good. God, I want you to do something wonderful for me. God, will you please bless me? God, would you please bless me, please, 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 please. God, it's all about me. The purest, and when you talk about worship in its purest, purest sense, it is about the honor and the worship of almighty God. That Listen to me. That now, the Bible says this. Now, hear me well. The Bible says if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. We spend so much time trying to hold on to our life and we wonder why we're not happy. The byproduct of giving up your life is that you get God's life in you, which brings you into a constant state of peace and joy. People want peace and joy, but they don't want it the way that God wanted. You see, the, 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 way, the world's way of peace is temporary. It doesn't really satisfy you for long. The Bible says that if you die to yourself, you'll find life. And so the essence of worship is that I come into the house of God. I say, God, I'm coming into your place, your sanctuary to give you praise. I am coming to worship you. And when you do that, when you focus all your attention on him, the byproduct of that is joy and peace. It comes automatically. Because if God inhabits the praises of his people, I know that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. If God's presence is here, whenever you're in God's presence, there's peace and there is joy. It's undeniable. 
You don't have to try to manufacture it. You just got to receive it. But the obstacle that we have to, what we have to do is get people above the me mentality. No knock, for an example, on, you know, Joel Osteen. Great ministry. Fantastic. Got his book at home. I think, I think God is using him in a tremendous way. But one of the things that it sends the wrong message sometimes, not because I think it's his heart intent. I don't believe that's his heart intent. He's a good man. But, he, but you leave, a lot of times, you hear him talk constantly. Everything is about a better you, a better me, how to make me happy, how I can be happy. There's no mention about dying to yourself. Then you find happiness. And so the church, so the, so the people of God, we, we oftentimes, we, we, we come and, and we're thinking, God, it's about me. When It's all about him. And so when you're in spiritual warfare, hear me. When you're going through hell and high water and the enemy has launched out an attack on you, that is the moment of time that you need to put on the garment of praise. Psalm 61.3 says this. That God has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so whenever I feel depressed, discouraged, downtrodden, I have been hit and blindsided by the enemy. That is the moment of time that you need to get on your garment of praise and you need to focus on the Lord and begin to worship him because he said, I've given you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I cannot tell you that time and time again that there will be moments when I have been discouraged. Moments where, where, you know, I felt like defeated and moments where I've questioned things. And I can't tell you the countless amount of time that every time I felt that way, I go into my bedroom, I shut the door, I turn up the CD, and I get and I begin to worship God. If I'm at the gym and I'm going through it, how many know we go through it sometimes? I turn up the music in my head and I begin to worship God. What am I doing? And when I put on the garment of praise, the spirit of heaven is flees. Why? Because you're inviting God into your situation. And when God, when you, when you kiss the face of God, when God comes, listen to me, when, when, when you begin to worship and you begin to draw near to God, listen to me, you're going to experience a kind of joy and a peace that you've never, ever imagined. My life is so wonderful and your life is so wonderful because we understand that it's all about him. And so if you want to find your life, you got to die to yourself. When you die to yourself, you'll find the peace and happiness that you're so, that we all want so desperately. For an example, the enemy loves to keep us quiet and self-conscious. And, you know, I look at us sometimes in worship, not just here, but in places I've gone. And a lot of this is relegated really to your experience, you know, what you have grew up, what you're accustomed to. And I know for an example that, you know, that the way that we do worship is not necessarily, it fits everybody. I've had people come in and tell me that. And, you know, I grew up in a couple different settings. I was telling the Jacksons yesterday that I grew up Pentecostal and I grew up Baptist. In the Baptist church, we stood there, we sung a hymn, 
and, and we just trying to, we wanted to wait and hurry up so we can sit down. You know, in the Pentecostal church, we was a little bit more enthusiastic, sometimes a little bit too enthusiastic, may I add. But worship, and is the essence of it, is that you are to put your whole mind, body, and soul into it. And that doesn't mean that we're to act crazy and walk on people's toes and spit all over people. And, but how I many know that there should be an enthusiasm? Why? The Bible says, come unto the Lord. You don't believe me, do you? Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. I want, I want you to see this. Psalm 100. Listen to this. I love this psalm. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. All ye lands, that means everybody, all the lands. <laughs> that means everywhere that there's space in every nation, every country. He says to serve the Lord with gladness. So we, we're to serve him with gladness. Look at this. And come before his presence with singing. Pastor, why do we got to sing? I really want, I want to hurry up and sit down. I just want to get through the praise stuff. He said to come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, he owns you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, I don't know about you, but there is a blessing in worship. I've known people over the years that would say, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I knew one couple, you know, at a church I used to go to. They just say, well, you know, I just want to hear the word. I don't want to hear nothing about it. I don't want to do nothing about it. I don't want to have anything to do with that praise and worship and that singing. You know, I don't like the music. I don't like this and I don't like that. But when you realize that it's not about the music. It's not about if it's my favorite song. What is the song communicating? Do I really love God? Do I want to give him the highest praise? Because there's a blessing in praise. God inhabits. He dwells. He sits right in our praise. And when we open our service with worship, then we ought to be an enthusiastic people welcoming God and saying, God, come and manifest your power and your glory. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles. Chapter number 20. That was my introduction. I'm sorry. Was that too long? Boy, I tell you what. It's like. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to get y'all are going to start talking back to me after a while. Glory to God. That just kind of let me know that there's a pulse. <laughs> I love it. I love the Lord. I love his people. I am excited. Here, King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, he had encountered a problem. How many of you have ever encountered a problem? Well, he has several nations that are coming up against him, and he is under spiritual attack. From Israel's inception, the devil has been trying to wipe out the nation of Israel because they're God's chosen people. And so, you know, throughout history, Israel has been under attack, and so King Jehoshaphat, he's the, he's the fourth king uh, in the kingdom of Judah. 
And he is encountered with the problem because the word came out that there are three nations that are going to come up against you and annihilate you and wipe you off of the planet. It's the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. All of these were coming up against Jehoshaphat. And so let's look at what Jehoshaphat did. Glory to God. Verse number 12 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. He says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude. Now, this is Jehoshaphat praying to God. Listen to his prayer. He says, oh, oh, Lord God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now, all Judah with their little ones, with their wives, and with their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of God of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jali, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asa, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you Judah and, and, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's for the battle is not yours, but God for the battle is not yours, but God tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of this. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeril. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. Look at verse number 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. Look at your neighbor and say, believe God. You shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, hear this. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they begin to sing and to praise the listen to me. Now, when they begin to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amnon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Amnon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly destroy and kill them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Here is King Jehoshaphat. He is in a place that he is overwhelmed. How many of you have ever been there? But the thing that I like about King Jehoshaphat, that instead of getting on the phone, talking to Betty, getting on the phone and talking to Mike and telling everybody about his problem, Jehoshaphat, when he got the word, he turned his face to seek the Lord first. 
He ran unto God to seek him first because he knows that his nation was on the brink of annihilation. He realized that if God did not move in this situation, it is over. It is done. It is finished. He realized that. And so he got so serious, he called a fast. In those days, they didn't call a fast to lose weight. When they called a fast, they were saying, God, we, God, if you don't do something, God, I ain't going to make it. He sometimes, you know, we need to, we need to get before the Lord and we need to call a fast. Fathers, we need to do that sometime as leaders in our home. We need to call a fast when things are out of order. Everybody, come, 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 come. We're going to fast today and we're going to seek God. Jo- Listen, Jehoshaphat, who is a leader among the people, he got before the throne of God. He called a fast. And the Bible says that all the women, the children, everybody, everybody fasted and they sought. God, a powerful thing. He declared, he said, you know, in verse 12, he said, I have no power to fight this battle. See, the first thing you got to understand that when you're going through spiritual warfare, that you don't have the power to fight the battle. You in and of your own strength, you can't, how many know you can't change people? Have anybody ever figured that out? You know, we spend so much time in marriages in our relationship trying to change somebody. You can't change nobody. So I gave up on, I learned that the hard way. You can't. But Jehoshaphat says, God, this thing is too big for me. And God loves it when we say to him, it's too big for me. Because that gives God an opportunity to show everybody how bad he is and how that he can deliver no matter what you are going through. It does not matter. And so Jehoshaphat, he said, God, I, I don't know what to do. This thing is too big for me. And as they are all there gathered together, praying, seeking God. And here's the thing. They were praying and seeking God. They're going through spiritual warfare. You know, one of the things I like to do is when I'm going through a difficult time, I got friends of mine, pastor friends. I said, brother, you know, I don't need to tell you all the details, but I need you to get down in the trenches with me because I am in crisis right now. This thing is about to tip over, and I need a move from God. I don't need you to criticize. I don't need you to try to figure out every detail. Just pray with me. Get down in the trenches. And as they are praying, and they're seeking the face of God. The Spirit of God fell on Jehaziel. He was a prophet. And he reminded them that this battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You mean to tell me this battle is not mine? You see, when you're going through spiritual warfare, the first thing that you got to remember is that the battle is not yours. It's God. If somebody is bothering you at school, the battle is not yours. It's God. If there's a problem in your marriage or your relationship, the battle is not yours. It's God. If somebody is mistreating you, or somebody is, is misrepresenting you, slandering you, the battle is not yours. It is whose? God. And so when we're going through spiritual warfare, we got to remember God, listen, he obligates himself whenever you turn your face to seek him in your most difficult of circumstances. But a lot of us, a lot of times when we get there, we don't seek God. 
And Jehoshaphat, I mean, he's a perfect example of a man who ran after God. And when he sought the face of God, God heard him. The Bible says that God hears the prayers of the righteous and his ears are always open to us. Always. So when you're praying to your father, God, God obligates himself to come into your situation and change it. So the prophet said, don't worry about nothing. You don't, gotta, you don't have to fight. Oh, no, 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 no. This thing belongs to God. You just need to stand still and see. You remember the children of Israel? They're getting delivered out of Egypt. Man, they're, they're, I mean, they're running, man. I mean, Pharaoh and the, the Egyptian army is on their backs, man. And, but, and they're looking back, and they're scared, and they come to this place of a body of water. They look behind them, nowhere to go. They look in front of them, a big ocean of water. Baby, how many know I'm trapped? <laughs> Where am I going to go now? How am I going to get out of this? How many ever felt that way? How am I going to get out of this? And Moses said, listen, God, God, God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, Stop crying to me. Tell the people, stop weeping. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I want you to stand still and watch what I do. Watch me what I do. And as they stood still, God parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry land. In other words, in case you didn't get it, God made a way out of no way. Glory to God. God can make a way out of no way if we trust him. When it seems, when to you and I, it seems like there's no way that I can get out of this. There is no way that this thing can turn around. God can make a way out of no way. Why? Because the battle is not yours. When the devil starts attacking you, when he want to bring accusations against you, when all hell has broken loose, you need to understand that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord. You and I just need to have a presence of mind to turn it over to him. When we do that, God obligates himself. To show up on our behalf. Isn't that good? Prophet told him, he said, listen, don't fear. Don't don't get scared. What is the first thing the devil want to do when he's attacking you in in spiritual warfare? He wants to put fear in your life. You know, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. Things are not going to work out for you. I know you've been trying, but you know, it's not going to happen. The prophet says, don't fear, don't be dismayed, because God is going to move on your behalf. You see, then it says in verse number 19, it says the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices, what, loud and high. Wow. You hear me jokingly say all the time, and I joke about it, but in actuality, I'm being very direct, and I'm being very, very serious. But heaven is not a quiet place. And so if heaven is not a quiet place, we need to get, we need to get used to it. That we need to get used to being uh, around people that are with loud voices and praising God. You know, it's a funny thing, but when they get the word, the Bible says that they praise God with a loud voice. And I'm thinking, why are they praising with loud voices? How many know that one of the things that the enemy does, he always whispers things to you, right? He makes suggestions to you about your life, about how you, you know, you're going to die. It ain't going to work out. He makes suggestions to you. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when the enemy starts whispering things, here's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to get you and I into a little corner. He wants to first get you separated from the body. 
Okay? He wants to remove you from the body, meaning the other people of God, the people that are there to encourage you. He wants to get you behind closed doors so that now that you can stay back there and you can weep and be depressed and be all by yourself. The devil knows that I got you now. I got you right. right. I want you right. And so what do we do? Sometimes we're going through it. The temptation sometimes is I just want to be alone. There's nothing wrong with being alone. But I mean, no, you can't stay there. Because the enemy, he, he desperately wants to get you into a place where he can get you depressed and separated. And so he can begin to whisper in your ear. And one of the things that I've been able to do, and I, I, I make it a practice, when the devil starts whispering things in my ear, I just start praising God. Say, the devil is a liar. I am more than a conqueror through him who saved me. I can do all things through Christ. My God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. None of that. You know, what I'm doing is I'm listening to myself speak out aloud. And I'm drowning out the voice of the enemy. When they got that word, they, they with loud voices, they begin to praise God. God, you're awesome. God, you're glorious. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the breakthrough. I know it's coming my way. I know I'm going to get delivered. And then a funny thing happened. The scripture says that Jehoshaphat called the choir. He said, okay, I want to get all the musicians, all you singers out there. All, all, you know, everybody that can play. I want to get all the singers. I want to get everybody together because we are going to have ourselves a party. Now, nothing had changed yet. Nothing had changed in their situation. He just got a word from God. He just believed the word from the Lord. He responded by faith. He says, Everybody, let's get together and they begin to worship God. Look at verses number, look at verse number 21. And when he had, and we're still in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. And who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So they went ahead of the army. You would think that when you're about to go into warfare, right? I mean, you got three nations coming up against you. We need to get everybody together. We need to come up with a military strategy. That's what the natural mind would tell you. But Jehoshaphat said, no, I'm going to believe God. Here's the thing you got to remember. When you're going through spiritual warfare, no matter what you're going through, you got to believe that when you seek God, when you turn that thing over to God, that God is going to move on your behalf. You got to believe that. You got to believe. And so they begin to sing and praise and worship God. Their situation haven't changed. So say you're going through it. The thing that you need to do is, you, need, you know, you're doubting. You're wondering if you're going to make it through it. Just begin to praise God. Just begin to worship him. And, and listen, thank God for the victory that's coming. There's no way that God is going to see his babies worship him, praise him in faith, see your tears, see your heartbreak, see all that. And you think that God, God would be unjust to turn his back and not even pay attention to you? That is not the God that we serve. There is no way that when you turn your face toward God and you put all of your trust in him and you're crying out to him, God, I need you to move. I can't do this, God. This is too hard for me. This is too difficult for me. But God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. When God sees that, you mean to tell me that God is going to ignore you? Absolutely not. 
they begin to worship and to praise. And the Bible says that what, listen to me, when they worship and praise, it says in verse 22, you can look at it. You're right there. It says that, that now when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. In other words, when you begin to worship God and praise God in the midst of your problem, remember, take your mind off yourself. Stop talking about my problem, me, 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 me. Take your mind off yourself. Turn your focus on God. Begin to worship him for who he is. God will set ambushes, and God will take care of anything that concerns you. I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to worry about trying to revenge yourself. The Bible says vengeance is the Lord. God says, I will repay. When you trust in God, God said that I will set an ambush and I will bring deliverance. And so if somebody want to act up, if someone want to act crazy, if there's somebody that's troubling you, if there's a, I had a boss one time many years ago that was troubling me, I just got on my face, began to cry out to God, and God set an ambush and moved him out. God moved him out. I just, I, see, it's a dangerous thing to mess with an anointed child of God. I'm talking about somebody that prays. Boy, it's, uh, you mess with somebody that loves God. Ain't just, ain't just a preacher, but anybody, because we're all the anointed of God. Come on. Anybody that prays and seek the face of God. Boy, I'm scared of people like that. I won't think, to, I don't mess with people like that. Why? Because they're trusting in God. They are there worshiping God. And you have me know, when you worship, God sees that. And he went and he set an ambush. And he confused the enemy. They ended up destroying all themselves. They didn't have to pick up one weapon. They didn't have to fight at all because the battle was not theirs. It belonged to God. And God brought them the victory. Can you say amen to that? Now, and one final thing in Acts chapter 16. And we get ready to close. Acts 16. Look at this. In Acts chapter number 16. first book in the New Testament. Well, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts chapter 16. Here, everybody have heard about the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> tremendous man of God. Tremendous man of faith. Apostle Paul was in a situation that he was in Philippi and there was a woman that was demon possessed. And she began to mock Paul, the apostle Paul. She was mocking them. And she brought a lot of people, a lot of the business owners in that region. They gained a lot of resources, a lot of money because she was a fortune teller. You know, you ever see these little, these little things that read my palm and you're riding on the road. And they come in here and tell me, you know, what the, what the problem is. And, you know, and I'm going I'm to give you a solution. Or I'm going to help you. And so she brought these people much money. But see, it was a demon spirit. Paul, she was following Apostle Paul because Apostle Paul and Silas were anointed. They were laying their hands on people. People were getting healed and God was doing some miraculous things. And this, you know, this woman was mocking them. She was going behind them saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are supposed to be the men of God. She's mocking. And Paul turned to her and looked at her and he said, come out of her, you demon. Cast the demon out. Boy, that made everybody in the city upset. Everybody got mad because the business owner was thinking, man, this was our fortune teller. She was like our little God. 
And they got angry and indignant so mad that they threw the apostle Paul and Silas in jail. Now, none of you have ever been to jail, and it's my prayer that none of you ever will. But jail today and jail back then were two different things. Because back then, they didn't have TV. I go inside of a jail now, you know, and I work there. That's my job. You know, I, I don't, like, go pay, like, permanent visits or anything like that, just in case anybody got, you know, start to wonder. But when you walk inside there, they got, you know, Nice TV screens, it's nice, it's heated, you know. You know, everybody, they got three meals a day. Back in those days, brother, they didn't have that. It was a hole in the ground. It was dirty, it was raunchy, there was rats, there was bugs, and it was dark, and they threw the food down in the hole. Here you go. Prison back then wasn't like it is today, absolutely not. So the apostle Paul and Silas are in prison. Now, if anybody had a reason to be upset, here it is that God called the apostle Paul in the ministry. Paul is out there serving God. He's witnessing. He's sharing the gospel. People are getting saved. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. God is moving. And here it is. God, now, God, why am I in this dirty, stinky place? If anybody had a reason to be upset, it was the apostle Paul. I mean, God, here I am. I'm serving you. I'm going to church. I'm giving my wreaths. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. God, why am I in this place right now? If anybody had a reason to get upset, you would think it would be the Apostle Paul because a lot of us would get that way, won't we? If we're honest, we start going through it. God, why? I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask God why, but, you know, we'll start complaining. God, you know, come on, God. What's up? (laughs) What are you doing to me right now? Why am I in this situation? Why am I in this place? God, now you're supposed to be God. You have the power to change. Why am I here? Apostle Paul could easily say, well, you know, how can anybody get saved? If I'm sitting here in this dirty, stinking hole, ain't nobody getting saved. The gospel is not being preached by me. Wait, God, I got churches I planted all over the place. I can't be of any use to you in this prison. You would think that's the way that Paul would respond, right? But look at verse 25 in Acts chapter 16. (laughs) Verse 25 and 26. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) And the prisoners was listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Oh, glory to God. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, Apostle Paul. Oh, he kills me. (laughs) Boy, you read scriptures like that. When you understand the life of these people, it makes you not want to complain about anything. 
But the Apostle Paul, at midnight, midnight represents a time when most people are supposed to be asleep. At midnight, in his darkest hour, when he's going through it, when he's in prison, you would think Paul would be there complaining to God. God, do this. God, do that. He ain't doing it. You know what the brother started doing? He started singing and started worshiping. Because Paul knew that he put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He wasn't about to let himself get frustrated. He wasn't about to start complaining on God. He didn't do any of that. Now, they have been in prison, and the Bible says at midnight, as they're praising God, an earthquake came. Now, that wasn't just, uh, that didn't just happen by chance. That happened because God heard the praise and the worship of Apostle Paul and Silas. And when God heard it, God moved. God moved. And he brought about an earthquake and everybody chains fell off. Everybody changed, fell off because God moved. He heard their worship. He heard their praise. And Paul, just in case you want to start saying, who's going to get saved? Well, guess what? When the, when the prison doors, when, when there was a shaking, the doors came open, everybody changed with loose. Then people fell down saying, what must I do to get saved? So Paul was still able to minister. Why? Because in the midst of spiritual warfare, he gave God the praise. He began to worship God. He began to sing. I want to challenge you today. In fact, I feel prophetic this morning, and I will say this. That, and listen to me. You who are going, against, going up against the, the trials of the enemy, you're in spiritual warfare, begin to praise God. Begin to give God the glory all week as if you already have the victory. And I guarantee God will move on your behalf. You watch. I guarantee it. The Apostle Paul, listen, when did the, chain, when did the, when did the prison doors uh, come open? When did the earthquake come? It could have came at any time, right? You think it was a chance that the earthquake just happened to come when they started praising? When they started singing, then God moved. But not until then. The earthquake could have came at any time. But at midnight, God moved in your darkest hour. If you, I want to challenge you to begin to worship God. Get your mind off of yourself. Get your mind off of your problem and begin to turn to God and worship him and watch God shake up some things in your life. See, the earthquake represents a shaking. God is saying, if I dare you to worship me and watch me shake some stuff up because it ain't your battle. See, here's the thing you got to remember. You got to keep saying that to yourself. This ain't my battle. God, you know, I walked in my integrity. God, I've done what I'm supposed to do. God, I'm, I'm, you know, God, I'm looking to you right now. God, you got to do this. God, you got to bring about this move because you see, it's not yours. It belongs to God. And in closing, I'm going to read this one scripture and I'm done. Psalm 150. Listen to this. Psalm 150. One of my favorite. Well, forget it. I keep saying favorite. All, All of it is my favorite, but this is one I like too. So Psalm 150. Listen to this. Praise God in this sanctuary. <laughs> Praise him in his mighty firmament. That means in the heavens. 
Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for everything that he's already done in your life. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him because of who he is. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Get out your musical instruments. Do you know that there are some people today that teach the God you're not supposed to have musical instruments that God is against that. I don't know where people, that the devil is a liar. People come up with some crazy stuff. Am I not reading the Bible? Listen to what he says. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Blow that thing. Blow. Praise him with the lure and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. How many know it's okay to dance before the Lord? I know some of us come from religious circle, but it's okay to get your praise on every now and then. Because the Bible says to sing and to dance. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. Glory to God. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Come on. Let's stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, here's what the devil He wants to keep you silent. He wants to keep you bogged down. He wants to keep you in a place that you don't praise God. Because the devil knows the power of praise. He knows, boy, that you get serious about worshiping God. That's why the devil, in in Matthew chapter 4, he kept telling the Lord. He said, he kept telling Jesus, he was tempting Jesus. He says, fall down and worship me, I'll give you everything. Jesus said, no, no, he don't tempt the Lord your God. You ain't getting none of this. Because all the glory belongs to God. And I want to challenge you this morning that whatever it is that you're going through to sing unto the Lord, to sing his praises, because God is going to work and move on your behalf when you make a conscious decision that God, I'm going to give this to you. Now, some of us, well, you know what, uh, you know, pastor, I'm not, I don't like the singing stuff. Well, talk, (laughs) talk, tell him how awesome he is. (laughs) Do something. Get in the car, turn the thing up, do whatever you but worship him. I guarantee God will move on your behalf. God will move on your behalf. Then come up here this morning. I'm going to pray with you. Come on up here. Glory to God. I'm going to pray for Dana. I want you to stretch your hand toward Dana. Brittany, um, I'm sorry. Um, Jennifer, come on up. I want to just lay hands on Dana. The, de- the devil blindsided her this morning. I'm telling you, but the devil is a liar. Because here's what I want everyone in here to do. That this week, that I want you to begin to pray. And if God leads you to begin to fast for Dana and for Jeff. I don't care if it's one meal a day. It may be a lunch break. But just turn your heart to God. And begin to worship God on her behalf and believe God to move. Because the enemy, let me tell you something. He is dirty. I told you how he goes about like a roaring lion seeking. He's always looking for an opening so he can come in. And he came knocking this morning. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're going to get through this thing because the word of God for you is that the battle is not yours. It's God's. So you don't have to try and defend yourself. You don't have to try and do, you don't have to do anything but trust God to bring a deliverance. God is going to fix what's broken. The devil is a liar. He has no victory. It's not you. It's God. Now, these people, we're going to stand in agreement with you. We're going to pray with you and pray that God will move, that he will do something miraculous in your life because he can and he will. All he asks of you is that during the course of this week, instead of running to everybody 
and complaining and murmuring and trying to wrestle this thing on your own, just get in your quiet place and begin to worship God and thank him for the victory. You don't see it yet. King Jehoshaphat, what did they do? He worshiped before the victory came. And what happened, the victory followed thereafter. Father, we just come right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, we see, Lord, how the enemy works, but the devil is a liar. For, Lord, we declare, God, that this marriage will live and that the glory of God will be upon them, Lord. We declare victory in every situation, God. We declare this morning, God, wholeness in this marriage, wellness in this marriage, God. We declare today that the power of God will shake up the forces of darkness and that they would have no way that they will not be able to uproot this relationship this marriage but lord we pray for the power of the holy spirit god to come lord even lord while she is discouraged even while lord she is thinking lord it's over i pray god that you will breathe life god right now fresh life lord jesus that you would move by your spirit oh god and i pray that you would give her the order of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. That God as she lift up you in worship. That the joy of the Lord. Will be her strength today. That she will feel your power. She will feel your presence oh God. So Lord we commit our daughter to you. Our sister to you Lord. We love them Lord. We love her and Jeff. And we pray God that you will, will Lord. That you will be glorified. That you will show yourself strong today. Because this is your battle. And we thank you for the victory. Today, we thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. I want you to continue to hold her up in prayer. This